All right, chapter 14. Um, who wagers nothing? He wins nothing. So that's kind of like one that I've talked about before, is that if you're not willing to shoot the ball, you can't make a basket. If you never are willing to bet anything, you're never going to get anything. My opportunity came the following morning. It was Sunday, and Mama had plans to go to church. She never invited us along, not because she didn't want us there, but because she knew the state frowned on religion. They wouldn't punish her for being in church, not directly anyway, but she thought it might somehow affect Fritz and me, another stain in our files. Fritz said he had plans to meet up with some friends, which I think included a girl named Claudia. The only things I knew about her was she sold bicycles and wore hair in in the Balfant style like younger women did in the West. I overheard Fritz's friends teasing him about her, and by his reaction, it was obvious that he liked Claudia a lot. The minute he left, I hurried down to the basement of our apartment, grabbed our shovel, and left for that old building in Papa's picture. I had hoped for an uneventful walk there, but a young girl hauling a big shovel through the city is hardly inconspicuous. I hadn't even left my own block when through Albert, or El, Erbert, Berhart, a woman who lived in our apartment building, greeted me and asked, Where are you going with that? Does your mother know what you're up to? Fru always looked to me like the human version of a turkey, minus the feathers. She collected gossip like other women might collect buttons or teacups. In the West, she'd have been dismissed as a simple busybody or snooping neighbor. But behind the wall, we all knew the neighbor, her tattler, was a was as dangerous as fire. Statsy informants were paid well. I, um, want to surprise my mother, I stammered. I found an area for a garden just a few streets away. Inwardly, I kicked myself for the way my voice had trembled as I lied for looking anywhere but at her. No, I was supposed to be smarter than this. Papa expected more of me. Somehow, knowing he would want me to lie made it easier. Through break, or beak of a mouth, pursed together as if she wasn't quite sure whether I had told the truth. I was sure she could read the deceit that was almost certainly written all over my face, but this wouldn't be my last lie. Mama often warned me that the Stasi had blanketed the country with informants. It might be a bus driver or a co-worker or even a family member, and it wasn't. It wouldn't have surprised me in any of the least if the woman I was facing run off, would, would run off to the Stasi to tattle on me if she guessed the real reason behind for my shovel. Finally, she smiled. A garden is a delightful surprise for any mother, but if you want to keep your se- me to keep your secret, then I'll expect some of your harvest. Maybe that was just polite conversation and was totally meaningless, or maybe she wanted a bribe for her silence. I didn't really know. Either way, it presented a problem, since there wasn't going to be any harvest. All I could do was avoid bumping into her again for a long time. Forever, if I could arrange it. Once I spotted the building, I did a careful check for any officers in the area. This time, fresh tire tracks ran through the dusty dirt, so I knew I had come through only last, or knew they had only come through last night. Hopefully, that meant they wouldn't feel the need to come back around anytime soon. I got as close to the Berlin Wall as I dared, not be- but not because I was challenging the Genzers. Just the opposite, in fact. I knew if any eyes looked down on this area, then the closer I stood to the wall, the better chance I would have of slipping past them unnoticed. For my own safety, I would use their barricade against them. My heart was locked in my throat as I crossed the building, 
but nothing suggested that anyone had seen me. No sirens, nor bark, no barking dogs or soldiers shouting orders. After a tense moment, I finally allowed myself to breathe. Again, like all the others around it, this building looked like an old shop that had been abandoned for longer than I'd been alive, and there was no reason for anyone to come to this out-of-the-way street. I crouched beside each of the ground-level windows and pressed at the boards, hoping for one that seemed loose. The first two windows were still boarded up tight, but the third seemed to have some give. I had to use a shovel to pry the boards loose, but I finally managed to open up a small gap, then slid through it. Once inside, I had a jump, short jump onto a hard dirt floor. It smelled of mold and rotting wood from the floorboards above me, and the standing water in the corners probably still hadn't dried out from winter. The only light came in slivers between the wood boards across the windows and painted creepy, dusty shadows. It gave me a shiver, though I couldn't be sure if that was because the room was chilly or because I was afraid. No matter how eerie this room was, I also knew full well that the boundary for the Berlin Wall ran straight through this building. If I touched the brick on the far end of this room, I would be standing within the line of the death strip. In fact, I thought the Jensers would probably consider this entire building inside that forbidden zone. If so, then I was in the death strip row now. I wanted to leave to just climb back out the window and run to safety of my bedroom. I never had to tell anyone about this place, and the next time I saw my father, I could just shrug at him as if I had never gotten that picture. He could go forward with his life and would go forward with mine. But now that I was here, I knew I couldn't do that. Papa wanted me to find this building. He wanted me to dig here. I wasn't sure why he had chosen this place, but it was important enough to let me take the risk of standing here. It had to be good. And an entire chest full of money, or better yet, fake passports that would allow us an easy slide across the border, or something better than I could dream of. Something he believed was worth the risk to my life. A crumbling stone stairway led to the main floor above me. I poked my head up there and printed it, printed in old paint on the wall was a faded sign that simply said, Wolkman. In that moment, I named this place in my mind the Welcome Building. The main floor was empty, except for piles of, of old brick. The same brick filled every window and door open, opening facing in, onto the death strip. There was enough brick so they could have sealed up all, all the building back openings too. Maybe they'd given up before they finished. Another stairway ran or went to an upper level, an attic maybe, but nothing would ever get me up there where I was even more exposed. I crept back downstairs on the hunt for Papa's treasure. After choosing my starting place, I raised the shovel, stuck the tip of the blade into the dirt, and crunched my foot down on the blade's shoulder. But in the hard earth, it didn't even go down a full centimeter. I tried again, pushing harder and even jumped on it, using all my weight to force the blade into the ground. But nothing I did made any or nothing I did made any difference. It was like digging through concrete with a spoon. I moved the shovel to a different spot and tried again, but still no success. The same thing happened in another corner. It was quickly becoming obvious that my father hadn't buried a single thing in this basement, not unless he had done it 30 years ago because I was convinced this hard ground hadn't been disturbed for at least that long.
I tried in still another place, right in the corner of the room. This time my blade struck something metal. It rattled enough that I quickly fell to my knees to quiet the echoing vibrations. I dropped the shovel and ran my fingers along the ground, feeling for the edges of the metal. Whatever it was, it lay nearly at the surface with only a thick layer of dust to cover it. If my father was going to bury something to be kept secret from the Stasi, he would have done better than putting it right at the surface. Anyone might have found it this way. Then my heart dropped as I realized another possibility. Maybe his treasure had already been discovered, and only the empty container remained. I had found the edges now of some sort of metal plank, wide enough to stand on. When I brushed off the dirt, I saw grooves cut into one side and hinges on the other. This wasn't a plank. It was a door, buried in the earth. Curiously, yet, or curiosity was mounting inside my chest, so much that I couldn't stand it. I, try, I pried the door up with the shovel and then pulled it the rest of the way open. The door was heavier than I had imagined, but I was certain that something inside would make all the risk and effort worth it. With some effort, I got the door open. I peered down, but it led to a hole too deep to see the bottom. With a rusty metal ladder on the side that didn't entirely, or that I didn't entirely trust to hold my weight, nor did I have any interest in diving into some unknown darkness without knowing whether I could get back up again. And with body, with nobody in the world aware of where I was, I wished I had a flashlight. I walked around it to try to get a better sense of what was down there. Then happened to notice dim writing stamped on the underneath side of the door. An air raid shelter. There were hundreds of them all over Berlin, places built underground during the Second World War when the Allies began bombing the city. There was nothing special about them. They had one under my own building apartment, in fact, and so did Anna. So there was no reason at all why my father would go to the trouble of putting anything special inside this one so far from home. I closed up the door and even scattered dirt across it again, then did my best to erase any evidence that I had been here. Obviously, I had misunderstood my father's instructions. Whatever his meaning was with the silly dances and the pictures, I couldn't understand it. Maybe there was no meaning. Maybe his dance was only a dance, and this picture was only a picture. It might not have even been from him at all. If I was reading secret messages into it, that was only a sign of my boredom and desire to find some lost connection to my father. I climbed out of the basement, pulled the boards that had blocked the window back into place, and stashed the shovel beneath some rubble in the alleyway so I wouldn't have to answer any questions about it on the way home. I hadn't lost hope. No, that wasn't the right word for it. It wasn't lost because I did, didn't intend to try finding it again. As I walked home that morning, I simply accepted the real, rea reality that it was wrong for me to ever have hope in the first place. Chapter 15. Who shows courage encourages others. The following Wednesday, two letters came to our door. The first was from Uma Gertrude, my mother's mother, and the woman for whom I had been named. For as far back as I could remember, Uma Gertrude had always been old, but over the last year she had also begun to have some health problems. The state was usually very cooperative about giving my mother time off from work, to take care of Oma's needs, but Mama seemed worried this time. She's fallen and broken her leg, Mama said. I'll have to stay with her for a while. Perhaps the state will give me work near her home. What about us? I asked. Our family was separated enough. I didn't want Mama leaving too. We can take care of ourselves, Fitz ordered. 
School is almost out for the summer, and I've got to stay here in Berlin to work. Greta can take care of things around the house. I'll come home as soon as I can. Then Mama frowned, second-guessing herself. You should both come with me. No, Fritz and I were in agreement about that. Aside from whatever work he could find, Fritz had a girlfriend here now, and I didn't want to stay with Oma. Her house smelled like fish, and there was nothing to do. So against my mother's better judgment, it was decided that we would stay in Berlin while she went to the countryside to help Oma Gertrude. None of us seemed particularly happy about the idea, but we all agreed it was for our best option. The second letter was for Fritz. It was from the military reminding him that he would turn 18 in June. By the end of that month, he would be expected to enroll for a year and a half of service. Refusing to serve, the letter clearly stated, would have serious consequences. Well, of course it would. Everything had serious consequences. Fritz's eyebrows pressed together as he read it, and I could tell that he was bothered. But even if he was, he clearly remembered, as we always did now, that the ears of the Stasi were hidden somewhere in our apartment. And so he couldn't say anything when he finished other than, This is a great opportunity. I can hardly wait. Fritz wasn't as good of a liar as I was, probably because he had a genuinely good heart, or a better heart than mine anyways. His attempt to sound positive came out sounding sarcastic and brittle. So I countered by saying, I know you're excited, but we'll miss you. It sounded believable, though my sympathetic expression to him said otherwise. He smiled at thanks in return. Mama didn't appear to have noticed any difference in him or any particularly strangeness in the tone of his words, but neither of us blamed her for that. She seemed more tired every day, and now, with the news of Oma needing care and the reminder of Fritz's military duty, I was sure Mama's mind was full of the worries it could possibly hold. She left early to go to, into work and speak with her superior. Fritz had said because of that we had some extra time too, and I didn't want him to walk me to and didn't I want him to walk me to school? I should have refused his offer. After all, I was plenty old enough to get myself to school, but I missed talking with Aunt, or walking with Anna, and it would give us a chance to talk in private. It was a busy morning, with the streets full of terebents, the bulky, inexpensive western or eastern cars that were about as reliable as snow in July. The common joke said that the best future or feature of any terebent was that the heater was the heater in back, which would warm your hands as you pushed it home. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> as we left the building, a white truck pulled up directly in front of our apartment. It looked like a delivery truck, but had no markings on it at all. That alone was on. Our building rarely received deliveries. A door opened and a man was pushed out onto the street. He fell on his hands and knees, and the second I recognized our neighbor, I darted over to help him up. Her cruise. I glanced up only long enough to see Victor, Fritz's former friend, standing in the doorway of the truck. He frowned at me and then eyed Fritz. Neither of them said a word, and Victor's expression was so cold, I thought maybe he had turned to ice. Then he shut the door, and the truck drove away. Her crews had heavy bags under his eyes, and his hands were shaking. Are you all right? I asked him. Can we send for a doctor? He put his hands on either side of his, my face, and tears streamed down his cheeks. I never should have printed those papers, he said. Do you hear me? I was wrong. By then, another woman in our apartment had seen her cruise. She darted forward and used her shoulders to prop him up. Fritz held out a hand and said, I can carry him in. No, the woman pushed his hand away as if he had offered poison rather than help. 
It's better for everyone if you go to school. Her eyes darted around the street. Please, just go. It's getting worse, Fritz said to me when we were alone. People are more suspicious of us, and they keep their distance. Word is getting out that I was arrested. Anna barely looks at me anymore. I, I shrugged. School is out at the end of this week, though, so at least during the summer, I won't have to watch her ignore me all day. Fritz stopped walking and shoved his hands in his pockets. There's this girl I like. Claudia? He smiled at first, hearing her name, but it was quickly faded away. Yeah, we've known each other for a long time, but just started dating a few weeks ago. I like her a lot, actually, and he even asked if she'd wait for me until I got my release from the, from the military. She said she would, until last night. Her father doesn't want us dating anymore. Why not? Fritz kicked at the ground with his foot. The Stasi showed him my file. They suggested it wouldn't be good for Claudia to continue dating me. I'm sorry, Fritz. My sympathy wouldn't make him feel any better, I knew that, but I felt his hurt and frustration like it was my own. He only sucked in a whistle of air and then blew it out again. Ever since I was arrested a couple months ago, I've tried, Greta. Honestly, I have. I've tried to say the right things and do the right things and be whatever it is they want of me, but the more I try to do what they want, the more I understand that my life has been put on this track to failure. From now on, wherever I go, they will stand in my way. I can't win against them. You can get Claudia back. I'm sure you can. Maybe, but that's not why I told you. He smiled. But it was so sad and hopeless. I'd rather have seen him frown. The same thing is coming for you, too. Even though he spoke quietly, his words echoed like thunder in my ears. Watching Fritz was like looking at pictures of my own five or life five years down the road. When would I be, or when I would be 17, and hoping to get into a university, only to be rejected, needing to get a good job, or any job for that matter, only to be turned down, trying to find someone else above, only to have him pulled away from me for reasons I would never fully understand. I knew it wouldn't ha would happen to me, because it was already happening to Fritz. This all started when Father participated in that uprising 12 years ago, Fritz said. And now his tone grew bitter. He thought because he wasn't arrested that he got away with it, but he didn't. And then he spent every year since then talking to people about ideas that are considered dangerous here. He thought he got away with that too, because they were only ideas. But look at where we are now. I started walking again, and Fritz followed along at my side. You and I have ideas too, I told him, and I don't want to become like them. I stared up at him. That's not me, Fritz, and I don't think it's you either. No, it's not, he said. In fact, never mind. In fact, what? Fritz was avoiding my eyes now, so I moved in front of him, forcing him to look at me. Tell me. He opened his mouth, then clamped it shut and walked past me. A new worry sprouted in my chest as I hurried to catch up to him. Fritz had been keeping secrets from Mama for years, just to protect her, but something had changed. Now he had started keeping them from me as well. Um, just a few more pages, so we'll be almost done. Chapter 16. Freedom lies in being bold. After school, I returned to the welcome building. Every minute since the last time I was here had nagged at me. I'd left too quickly before. My father wanted me in that air raid shelter, and today I intended to go down there. I didn't bring the shovel from the alleyway, but I did have a flashlight that I had snuck into my bag and kept hidden throughout the day. I stood in the alley and kept an eye on a guards in the nearest tower. 
The instant they turned their backs, I ran for the building, watching them the entire time. I didn't know or didn't anticipate the irrigation ditch being as full of water as it was. I almost made the jump across, but still landed in mud, which showed my run afterward. I must have made it to the building before they saw me, or else sirens would have headed my way. But it was still too close, and even running so fast would have looked suspicious. If I was going to be on this property, I could never be stupid like that again. From now on, I would approach from the side in the shadow of the wall. After I reached the building, it wasn't hard to squeeze between the pried-up boards, drop into the dirt floor, and then push the board shut. There were fresh tire tracks from Jensers on patrol, and more could be laid before nightfall. I needed to hurry. I grabbed the flashlight from my bag, stuffed it into the waistband of my skirt, and pulled open the heavy metal door to the air raid shelter. Then I lay on my stomach and angled the flashlight downwards to get an idea of what might be inside. I didn't expect ghosts or monsters to leap out at me, but at the same time, I wasn't fully ruling out the possibility either. The ladder was covered in spiderwebs and felt damp to the touch, but I gritted my teeth in some sort in some effort to feel more courageous, brushed off what I could reach, and then climbed down. The room below was cooler than I expected, but then I realized that unlike some shelters, it wasn't surrounded in metal. This was really only a deep hole with a metal lid and some crates at the bottom that probably had once held emergency supplies. There was a bench at the far end and a couple of pipes that seemed to carry in fresh air from somewhere outside. The building above me was still standing, mostly, so I wondered if this room had ever been used during a raid. Probably it had, even if the bombed allies, bo allied bombs had never landed here. Papa had been around my age during the war and described staying awake all night in the shelters, being too tired to stand but too nervous to sit. Where There he would wait with whatever group had gathered in the shelter. Hearing the airplane engines coming and then the incredible explosions as the bomb bombs, bombs found their targets. Most of the building or bombings happened late in the war and Germany's eventual defeat was certain by then. However, the fur, further, Adolf Hitler wasn't ready to surrender and seemed content to let Germany be entirely destroyed for his stubbornness. By that time, Allies didn't seem to care where their bombs fell. They blanketed Germany, and particularly Berlin, with destruction. My school teacher said by the end of the war, nearly all of East Berlin had been completely destroyed. Mama said the reason East Berliners didn't fight the wall was because so many citizens considered it God's punishment for Germany's crimes in the Second World War. Maybe that was so, but God didn't seem to be punishing the West equally, and besides, the war was the crime of my grandparents' generation. I didn't see why I should be forced to share in their penance. I was too busy with my own crime anyway, that of standing in this air raid shelter. It quickly became obvious that there was no treasure in this room. If anything had ever been here, it was stolen away long ago, but Papa should have expected that. He wouldn't have sent me here for something that could be so easily taken. Besides, whatever was here, he wanted me to dig for it. The east side of the room was crowded with crates and the bench, and the dirt behind it was buffered with large rocks. So I wandered to the west side and pulled at the dirt, with crumbles and cakes, which crumbled in cakes, in cakes in my hand. Maybe Papa had buried something inside the walls. He made sense. If the ground above me was so hard, Papa couldn't have dug there to bury anything, but he could have put something down here, just buried behind a thin wall of dirt. The wall. The Berlin Wall had to be nearly 
over my head right now. And I realized that even if Papa had wanted me to find something buried in this dirt, it was far too dangerous for me to dig, because every centimeter I clawed in there put me one step further inside the death strip. If I went too far, I'd if I went too far, I'd end up in the West. The truth crushed into me like just like I'd just tumbled through waves of the ocean. I'd been wrong before. There was no treasure buried in this air shelter. No, the shelter itself was the treasure. Papa must have known about this shelter because maybe he had stood in this very room as a child. This was where Papa wanted me to start digging. He wanted me to tunnel into the West, to freedom, to him.